0: Welcome or welcome back to Lift You Up, Inspiring Health Stories. I'm your host, Tamika Bickham. I'm the founder and chief storyteller of TV Media Group. But for the purpose of this podcast, I am your health and happiness matchmaker. Now, before I introduce you to today's guest, you know what I'm going to ask you to do. Go ahead, hit subscribe on YouTube, turn on those notifications and connect with me on LinkedIn because I'd love to stay connected with you. Now, it's the holiday season, so there's no better time than this time of year to talk about giving back, especially to those who really need it. So I'm going to introduce you to a nonprofit because you know I love featuring nonprofits at least once a month on this show called Project Angel Food out of Los Angeles. They give out medically tailored foods to chronically ill individuals, and they do 2,400 meals Per day. It's truly incredible. And today's guest, Brad Bessie started volunteering with them when they started 32 years ago. You're going to hear his story about being an executive producer in a high powered career in entertainment TV, to what he is doing now as the head of communications and talent relations for this nonprofit. We're talking all about purpose and giving back. Our physical, mental, and emotional health is not just a want. It is a need for happy lives and prosperous businesses. Lift You Up is the podcast where we share inspiring health stories from business owners who are fulfilling their purpose to live their healthiest lives and helping you do the same. From former TV reporter to marketing entrepreneur and content creator, I care about sharing stories that matter and stories that connect us. I'm your host, Tamika Bickham, your health and wellness matchmaker. Well, today I'm excited to welcome to the show Brad Bessie, who is, hopefully I have this right, the head of communications for Project Angel Food.
1: Yeah. Head of Communications and Talent Relations, right? Because so much of what I do is enroll celebrities to get involved and it is great for them and their souls, but it also helps draw attention to the important work of the agency.
0: Nonprofits have always been close to my heart and there's always important stories that come out of nonprofit work. Um, So that's also why I wanted to have you on the show and talk about the important work you're doing. So tell me a little bit more about what Project Angel Food does.
1: I got involved with Project AIDS with actually in 1989 when I was just a, a, a kid, like in my early 20s, and it was at the height of the AIDS crisis in Los Angeles, and so many of us were looking around at our friends who were dying at that point of AIDS, and we were, we were so despondent, there was a lot of despair every single night of the week i was in a hospital room holding the hand of someone who was dying or weekends were filled with memorial services and marianne williamson at that time said you know you can either give into the darkness or be part of the light be part of the solution and so we started preparing and delivering meals to our friends and the community people who were at that point dying of of aids or living with aids and so much of what the doctors were saying is it was the malnutrition that they were dying of so we would pack up in this church kitchen we put together meals uh we'd cook spaghetti or whatever we could at that time and we deliver 65 70. one day we had 100 meals a day it was so exciting and that was the origins of project angel food so in that was the dna of delivering meal with compassion and care and to take care of our, you know, brothers and sisters who at this point were living and dying of AIDS. Fast forward here at the, another pandemic with COVID. Um, we see the fragility of the healthcare system, especially what that means to people of color, what it means to people who are economically challenged. And Project Angel, we went from feeding those few people that we were feeding uh, in 1989 to today feeding 2,400 men women and children every single day wow. living with hiv aids um congestive heart failure cancer and COVID. i mean we we are taking care of people But we started seeing sort of the fractures in the healthcare system, right? So that people weren't being served and people who weren't getting good health insurance or didn't have good paying jobs, um, they were not seeking regular medical attention until it was critical. And then they would find themselves actually seeking care. And those are the people that we are serving, people who are chronically or terminally ill Um, with medically tailored meals. And medically tailored meals are actually designed to improve health outcomes, right? So if someone has diabetes, they need a different diet plan than someone who has cancer, who needs something else that they can have congestive heart failure. So in our kitchen in Hollywood, we prepare and deliver um, to 2,400 people a day, now doing over a million meals every single year. Each meal plan is designed specifically for those needs. And the beautiful thing about it is that we found that hospitalizations, uh, the Food as Medicine Coalition uh, here in California did a research study and hospitalizations are reduced by 50%. Uh, by people who are receiving these medically tailored meals. Right. So that's a big improvement. And for me, for where I see it, I just know um, like that hands-on experience of it, this, this the stories like to, to have a woman named Candace who has congestive heart failure and tell me that she is like almost giddy. She's almost giddy that she she used to spend at least one week of every month in the hospital. And she's been on the program for seven months and said, I've not had to stay in the hospital once. She was so excited about that outcome. And then uh, a client I have named Diane, she has some agency in this, right? So she's learning um, how to, uh, she is is on dialysis um, three times a week. Um, She needs uh, food that's actually medically tailored to to help her outcomes right and she is actually knows now the sodium content and she's looking at these vegetables and she knows what she needs to eat to keep herself on track to sort of combat her diabetes. And her uh, kidney failure. So she is working with her dietitian. She's seeing the meal. She knows what she needs to eat. And she says, I'm going to be around for my grandbabies for a long time. And that's what I see when I talk about this medically tailored meals. And our dietitians they go over the research with me. And that's great. But what I see is the outcomes and personal stories of people that I see.
0: Absolutely. And 2,400 meals per day is... A large number, but it it's started, a it's a it's a lot, and certainly a long way in what thirty or so, a yeah, little 32 over years. thirty-two years since Project Angel Food started in nineteen eighty-nine. Or was that when yeah. you started volunteering?
1: No, it's when it started, and, and when I started volunteering, I was one of the first volunteers. When we look at twenty-four hundred. Uh, people that we serve every day, that comes out to be about 95,000 meals a week that uh, Mm. that we're making, a month that we're making. We're doing over, as I mentioned, over a million a year um it's just a crazy number and doing during the pandemic as well so what we found is that we used to have 4700 volunteers every single year in the kitchen side by side with our chefs cooking music playing having a good time companies would have their volunteer like their employee staff come in and it was really fueled by 80% of our work was done by volunteers but with the pandemic we saw volunteers weren't able to come into the kitchen we also saw it wasn't safe for our own protocols and our main mission was to keep people fed during the pandemic no matter what um i have great admiration for our executive director who's been a longtime friend and he came in one day when everyone was just faced with all the fear of what was going on they're going oh my gosh a volunteer group canceled oh my gosh this, there was a lot of fear and he said you know what no one will ever miss a meal who's a product food client. Let's get together and figure out what we're going to do. We can't be hysterical. We have to lead with love. Well, that's what we did. We got together and miracles, big and small, just happened right and left. And we were Mm -hmm. able to not only maintain service, but continue service. So it was something really um, daunting and we, haven't, we we haven't slept in years. So if I get a little emotional, <laughs> I'm tired. But what we started doing was we just started showing up and always saying yes, because rules were changing so often. What would happen if we weren't able to get to them? So we provided them three weeks of shelf-stable meals. We provided them an extra week of frozen meals for their freezer so that we always made sure that they were taken care of. We formed a... a a group of volunteers called Telephone Angels to call in and just do checks and not psychologists. They're not doing official social work. They're just calling person to person to say, hey, how's it going? Because that isolation was even magnified. They were already feeling isolated because they were critically ill. Now it was being magnified. So we were able to get through that. And we also hired then people who would have been unemployed in the restaurant business. We hired them all to start working in our, in our kitchen so we started this last may integrating volunteers back into the system but i have to tell you it was a sort of a culture shock because they were used to coming in dicing slicing oh what's going on what's going on with your daughter you know mm-hmm. it was a little slower pace now i've got all these professional chefs and we've got so much to do it's really different so we had to take a, a moment to figure out how to integrate volunteers back into our kitchen service where they could have a meaningful participation where they actually were contributing to the creation and, and getting these meals to folks but also um didn't sort of slow down production uh, with their generosity of, of spirit and service
0: obviously you have a lot of passion for what you do and there's a deep-rooted purpose in what you do and i love talking mm-hmm. about purpose on this show because i think that whether there there is those positive things that happen in life, but even more so the hard times, the challenges that we overcome tend to guide us in those in our purpose and the path that we take in life. So I'm curious because I know this hasn't always been your career. As you mentioned, this is where you started as a volunteer. But in your career, you were a producer. Mm. So how did tell me about that, like happening on the other side of things, you're volunteering for, sure. you know, over 30 years with Project Angel Food um, and how that ends up transitioning from you being a producer in a totally different field to right. now working for Project Angel Food.
1: Sure. I'll, I'll tell you, it was actually really uh, pretty intentional. Okay. I didn't always volunteer. I volunteered and then I get very busy with my career. And in many ways, okay. I define my um self so directly with the success I had in television. But there was always a a um sort of a a detach that I had to do. There was a there was a gnawing sort of feeling that I had that it wasn't enough or what was the purpose or why was I so defined by that job and the trappings of that job. Like why did it matter to me um, you know what rest like, that someone would like they they would hear my name and immediately the best table would open up or what what those sorts of things mm-hmm. that I found were defining me as successful w- were at a disconnect from a soul level of what I viewed success right so I felt like in some ways as my career expanded and grew and I was successful at it I became I had to work harder to return to me. I had to work harder to stay grounded in a part of me that was of love and of service, not necessarily of ego and capitalism and taking and and making every 10th of a ratings point work so well or every, right? So it it was a really big game of compare and contrast so when those things, when I didn't have those things and I started to focus on who do I wanna be in this next chapter of my life, um, I didn't do it alone. I, I was fortunate enough to uh, work with an amazing um, life coach and author named Cheryl Richardson. In, in that process, I was able to really hear the calling of my inner voice that told me I was up to big things and those big things would be measured differently those big things would be mer- measured in contribution to others. So just being in that space of openness and, and going back to school, because why not in the 50s go back to school? I, I went back to finish my undergrad uh, at uh, Cal State Northridge and fell in love with the conversation of social justice and communication being the fulcrum of change. And so I continued on with my, uh, with my master's degree which is, I'm still doing that, by the way. And in that, I would find that I'd be called to do a television project, but it would be conflicting with my schedule, and I'd be conflicted, and the what am I going to do? And about that same time, my friend Richard Ayup, who's the executive director of Project Angel, Food, said, it's our 30th anniversary, and we're looking for a way to connect with bigger celebrities. If I were able to give you a small consulting fee, and they really did put not... In not for profit, but they gave, <laughs> they gave me a small consulting fee. And I said, you know what, that's enough to justify me not saying yes to these other projects. And it gave me some breathing room to continue with my studies and some breathing room then to work, reconnect with Project Angel Food. And that all happened and it all went really smoothly. And I created their first telethon, Leap With Love. I just was so. Humble that in four weeks i got 61 huge celebrities to participate and a little bit different than me previously and me then was was a humility i think i had about it i was grateful i didn't expect anyone to uh to say yes because of me because i demanded it because of my ratings Mm -hmm. i didn't i didn't ego my way into those bookings um i i I reached into those bookings with filled with heart, and and they people responded because of that. So a- after that, I went off to launch a um, a digital um, show for um, a company in Silicon Valley. Um, and when I I in that six weeks that I was doing that, I really missed Project Angel Food, and they missed me. And they created this position now the director of. Uh, uh, communications and talent relations and i've been able to step in and be there full time when i'm not you know picking up my son from school or um or um you know studying uh for a a test or writing a paper for my grad school
0: so just so that i'm clear that telethon is what you created or in that four-week period is what you did for project angel food
1: Oh, yeah. And and yes, Project Native Food had the opportunity from Channel uh, 5 here, Mm KTLA. They said, listen, we've got a couple hours on a Saturday night in four weeks, like in in July. If you want it, we'll give it to you. Maybe you could use it for a fundraising event.
0: Got it. And we
1: said, well, let's do a telethon. And that's where I said, you know what? We've been leading with love. Let's just call it Lead with Love. Mm -hmm. And so that's now become an annual tradition. Uh, Uh, Our first telethon we raised over $700,000. The second one we just did in July raised um, like $1.2 million. So we're really grateful to have had the opportunity. I I think it comes back to letting your soul lead you and and, in important moments, right? And I think that no matter... Who is watching you and watching this and who your audience is I think that no matter where you are you can get value of this lesson that I've learned and that is you'll get instincts or sort of these sort of soul hits and it's important to honor those and act on them even if you don't understand them I'll tell you a recent example of that and that is last December maybe it was early December I was in a market, and I saw on the tabloids a a picture of Lori Loughlin who was going through the challenges of um, uh, what she was going through. At that moment, I thought, I bet I could be of help to her, like I just thought that. So I reached out to her publicist, and I said, listen, I'm sure she's she's getting out of jail. Oh, that's what it was, she was in, in jail at the time. And I said, I know she's getting out of jail, and I read that she's got community service to do, and I'm sure she has other things already lined up, but if not, I've you know, been able to create a safe space for people like Megan and Harry and other celebrities to be here. I think I could create a safe space for her to do the community service. She could do some good uh, if, if it works for her. It was that simple. And so Lori and I talked several times over the holidays, and she came in and did her community service. And I got to see a side of her that was really about giving and, and caring about others. And, and, and after she finished her community service, which was before Valentine's Day, <clears throat> she continued to, continues to volunteer. And it's beautiful to see her compassion and her caring for these clients is a wonderful thing. To follow those instincts, I think has led to me to a path of service. It's really awesome. And I don't know where those next hits will come or where they'll lead me, but I do know that I need to. It's my responsibility to stay grounded, so that I can and quiet enough in my own head so I can hear those voices as they guide me.
0: And, and you kind of answered the next question that i had because you mentioned that there kind of being that disconnect between that career success and that success in your soul so mm. do you feel like those are aligned now
1: i uh, i very much think that they're aligned i still have opportunities to uh, that they come my way to possibly produce again and i don't know that i i I don't know that I'm done producing, but I do know that I am really selective about what I say yes to and the meetings I say yes to and who it is that I choose to or would choose to work for and what the content might be, right? So I feel like if my life continued where it is right now, I would be perfectly happy if this was the next 10 years of my life. But I also feel I'm in a much more grounded place that I when I hear those opportunities, I can actually use some um, some discretion. I'm not um, chasing anything. And so from a place where I'm centered, I'm able to hear opportunities and evaluate them um, in a way that that is more thoughtful and no. and I can say no. I felt like I needed to executive produce a national talk show or, you know, another morning show or another magazine show. I needed to be that executive producer on that national level for me to actually have value for people to see, you know, out there, you've got to see that I'm the man. And I feel like I don't really care so much whether people see me that way any longer. Um, I just know that I... I feel like if I translate everything that I do, which I'm able to into service, and I look at what my work at Entertainment Tonight, and I'm really proud of a lot of the the groundbreaking that I did by standing in my truth. So it wasn't like all or nothing, but I was, you know, I um, I had to really fight and go to Mr. Moonves himself in order to get Kevin Fraser to be the first African-American host of Entertainment Tonight, I had to, you know, I had to um, stand in the drift a lot of times of of things that were, like, in the industry, it's all coded, I think, sometimes, the racism or the sexism, it's all coded in other language, um, but it exists, and so I look at time after time how I sort of stood in the drift of that, Um, and I'm really proud of the opportunities I created, and how thoughtful I was in retrospect of like the observations, like I didn't really think of it at the time, like that it was such a statement that I was handling it was, I was hiring a transgender woman to be a reporter on Entertainment Tonight. I just did it because it like felt right, but all of those things were groundbreaking or saying no to, mm. to overtly sexist the content. Um, like I stopped covering Maxim Magazine because I thought that it just did nothing but objectify women. So those sorts of things, little by little, I actually do feel I can look back on a career and say, hey, I really made a difference by the way, right. by the thoughtfulness in which I approached the content for those shows. But I also in the nature gave into the beast of chasing the latest story. But I do think where I am right now, I feel like I'm much more comfortable and confident in my own skin. And I'm from that place of personal empowerment, and able to make decisions that actually have, I think, a bigger impact mm-hmm. than if I was so constrained by worrying about what people thought about me.
0: I'm curious, going back to 1989, when you first decided to start volunteering with Project Angel Food, um, it sounds like contribution has always been part of, you know, who you are. Mm. Was there a particular reason that Project Angel Food, um, you know, kind of called you to volunteer? Or was there a specific experience that connected you to this nonprofit?
1: To have the lived experience of um, of the AIDS epidemic in Los Angeles, and probably the same in New York or San Francisco, where the the world at large at that point had said it would call it things like the gay plague, and this was God, uh, this was God, sort of, uh, you know, I, I, fortunately, had I, strong enough spiritual connection um, of my own from my youth which was not my parents telling me to go to church but me actually grounding myself choosing to go to church and choosing uh, to have a relationship with god Um, i knew that when the people were telling me that i was evil and wrong and had sinned against god and god didn't love me i knew enough from my own experience that that wasn't true so i knew that these were people trying that were manipulating sort of a greater spiritual Right. So, uh, they, they, don't, don't talk for god god can talk for right, himself right
0: right but
1: i felt like uh, it, living in that that area we were uh it was just like the least i could do like it, it's like to be able to deliver meals to people and i also at that point i still do this today is i hold people not as their illness but i see beyond their illness and hold them in their humanity so i have one client who uh, is a jazz singer and used to perform at different clubs, right? And so we'll talk about those things and we'll talk about um, her performances and we'll talk about music and we'll talk about uh, some some of those things and she lightens up. So for those few few minutes that we're interacting, she's not a woman who is whose life was derailed by cancer two years ago. She's not that woman, she's able to, be in the spotlight, literally be in the spotlight again um, and hold on to part of her that sometimes she forgets because she's dealing with illness. So I think that that sort of spiritual rounding is what I did in the early days of being at Project Angel consciously when dealing with people and I'm thinking like literally consciously thinking, um, you are not your disease. The only thing real here is love. And I think that that's like coming back to the agency where the agency has grown so much. And when you actually look at its medically tailored meals and you look at the source of the operation and you look at we used to just have a handful of uh, mostly volunteers and a handful of employees. And now we have sixty nine, seventy employees who do this work right now. It's an operation. There's an actually a H.R. department. They're hiring that. Right. It's it's. It would be easy, Project Food doesn't do it, but it would be easy then to see the operation as an operation, which you have to handle all those things. But I was able to experience as an extension of love. And so from that level, I'm able to bring that into the DNA of the company that every day, what we do, no matter how it looks or no matter what, if you're doing payroll or you're doing this, or you're making all those meals, it's actually all an extension of love
0: those with chronic illness tend to be isolated and are often alone, which can be be even more challenging, I'm sure, especially around the holidays. Can you talk about just where Project Angel Food kind of comes in during this season and why it's so important?
1: Oh, sure. You know what? um, Here's what I thought of when you were asking the question is just we, we have a toy drive, a gift drive that we're giving all of the children of our chronically ill clients. Uh, presents and gifts. It's not that mom and dad don't want to give them gifts, but literally these people are, like 97% of them are living at or below that poverty level. So we think holistically of the client. And so we noticed that some of our clients were sharing their or giving their, some of their meals to their kids. So we start providing all the kids with breakfast. And now over the holidays, we're providing them with toys and gifts. And then we'll make sure that everyone has special holiday meals as well. And we just are really going uh, to—we just surround them with love and and kindness and compassion. This holiday, it's the thing physically. The sort of material consequence of inflation is that it costs us more to put together the the meals that we do. We use all fresh ingredients. We use the the best ingredients we can, and everyone feels what it is like to be in the grocery store and go shopping, going, "I'm paying this for an avocado," Right. right? So. We're feeling that in a big way. So I think we're really relying on everyone's generosity this holiday season to make sure that our clients, that they're critically ill people, can actually um, can can have those meals. And then we also lean in, as we do year-round, but lean into especially that they feel special during the holidays, and we make sure we have those calls going out and cards. And, and on the people's birthdays, by the way, that we give them... Uh, mm-hmm. um, a, a special bag that's decorated with little tchotchkes and goodies and lipsticks and things like that on their birthdays and we did a big thing uh with veterans day as well and i happened to be delivering to one of the veterans and just to be honored, i just said sir i just we just want to give you this little token just to thank you for your service just to acknowledge someone like that was so meaningful he was like so touched that someone would think to honor him for his service, right? So I think that even though I experience that on a daily basis by being in this work, I think that for your audience, as we go about our day, just to take that moment to acknowledge someone is so important because it, it will it will stay with them. It will be treasure, it will be the gift. Um, and that's what we try to do this, this holiday season.
0: Absolutely. Love that. And lastly, I always like to ask for a health tip, happiness tip, a wellness tip. I know uh, offline prior to starting re- hit, hitting record, we, you had mentioned your your meditation routine. It could be that or something else. Um, just something that you would say has helped in your kind of every day, kind of day to day with whether staying grounded or just part of your health and, and wellness routine.
1: Great. Thank you. I do think that that, for me, having a grounded meditation practice is really, really important. And if I am working on something and I, and I blow it off, I, my day is, I feel those consequences. It's my day to get grounded. That contexting that that day has created a day that's been much more joyful. The, the actual material work that I'm doing is probably the same but I can control how I show up for those circumstances. And that's what that meditation allows me to do every morning.
0: I oh, love That's a great, great tip. It's funny. Uh, the interview I had just before you as well, I asked for her health tip, and she said, setting an intention for the day. Mm. So, <laughs> so I'm a- loving this theme.
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's, uh, that's, that's really good. That's awesome. I, I love the theme. And I love that you're having this conversation with people. Because I think um, there's so much value in people t- having conversations, right? Phil Donahue was talking about what, in a retrospective on his career was talking about how his show was so impactful.
0: Mm-hmm. And he said,
1: it's because it was the stories that people tell. And connecting people with our life stories. So some, and what I do know is that there's a divine connection to all of this. There's a reason why we connected as people find uh, you, find you in your content. There's a reason why they're finding it. I I know that there will be someone who hears this and is in a job that isn't right for them. Mm -hmm. And they'll think, oh my gosh, I need to really think about what is my purpose? And is this serving my purpose or serving my ego? Mm -hmm. And they'll come up with that because they found you and I having this conversation today.
0: Absolutely. And thanks for that. And hey, that's what we do, right? We're storytellers. And, you know, regardless of, you know, sometimes those stories (laughs) led us to kind of feed the beast. But the beautiful thing in stories is that ultimately they do connect us and bring us together. Mm -hmm. So before we go, I, of course, want to ask how people can support Project Angel Food find you online, social media, all the places, so we can make sure to link to all that below.
1: Oh, sure. Thank you so, so much. Um, Angelfood.org is the best way to find us. Uh, That's where we have a list of all the programs, how people can get involved, volunteer, donate, and actually see what we're up to. One thing I'm really excited about is we've just launched a Native American uh, with diabetes project where we're actually um, looking at how our medically tailored meals can actually improve health outcomes and then pairing people with uh, nutritional counseling and with buddies actually can help their mental health. And to serve the underserved population, I'm really excited to begin this two year mm-hmm. project. So people can find out all things like that at the at the website, or they can find us uh, on Instagram at Project Angel Food, or they can also find us on Twitter at Proj. Uh, Angel Food. So P-R-O-J Angel Food. I guess Project Angel Food was too long or was taken at the time. But <laughs> that's where they can find us on Twitter. And um, thank you for giving us the opportunity to to throw out some handles there.
0: Absolutely. And I'll make sure it's nice and easy and linked below so everyone can find it there and easily learn more about you and also support you during this, especially during this holiday season, all year long, but especially during the holiday season as well.
1: Great. Thank you. Thank you so, so much. I appreciate it. Thank you.
0: I hope you enjoyed hearing from Brad about his story and Project Angel Food, the important work they're doing in the community, as well as his helpful health tip about meditation and setting intentions. I loved all of the information he had to share. So make sure you find all those links he mentioned down below in the show notes and truly enjoy your holiday season. I appreciate you coming back here each and every week. I appreciate the support. So if also you haven't done so already and you're new here, you might be so welcome. (laughs) Make sure to connect with me. All my information is below in the show notes. I'm on LinkedIn, which is where I'd love for you to connect subscribe on youtube turn on notifications i'm also all the other places and hey turn on notifications so you know to come back and watch each and every new episode every week we don't take in a week off so until i see you back next week which should be if i'm correct in 2022 i'll see you then until then stay happy stay healthy